The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm Sapphire My pronouns are him, his, and he. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers! So what are we drinking today? We're having a drink called The Left Hand. I don't know what left is about, but we'll see. It's kind of um, a cool looking drink, actually. Yeah. It's... Um, one and a half ounces of bourbon, three quarters ounce of sweet vermouth, and three quarters ounce Campari, and stirred until chilled, then served in a cold glass. And then you put a cherry in the bottom, one of our famous cherries. I love those. And then pour it on top. And then one more ingredient that's really important. This is a new drink that uses chocolate bitters, and I just got chocolate bitters. Wow. So this has chocolate bitters in it. Cool. Ooh. Wow, that's a complex drink. Wow, you can really taste the chocolate. It comes at the end. I know, but I didn't yeah. think I would be able to taste it. How much chocolate bitters is in it? Well, three dashes. Only three. Just yeah. yeah, and what I do now, if I've learned, if you just try to slap the bottle over and start your first shake, yeah. you actually are at a disadvantage because you're not getting a full dash. Okay. So you invert it, so now the liquid's on the bottom, the air's at the top. And then you shake one, two, three, oh, straight down, yeah, and then you get sense. full dashes. Then it's yeah, interesting. That's huh? yummy. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the sweet vermouth plays, you know, with the so chocolate. It's, it's, bur- it's bourbon vermouth, sweet vermouth, Campari, Campari, yeah, and chocolate bitters. And chocolate bitters. So it's kind of like a chocolate orange flavor to it. It's got a weird like fruity flavor that doesn't sort of land orange for me. Well, but... the orange, I you know what I taste from the Campari is not. Maybe orange as much. I, I do, though, at the end. But the bitter. Yeah. Yes. It's the Campari so, so bitter. I, I get fruitiness with some bitterness, and then I get this sort of chocolate at the end. It's Isn't that interesting? really interesting. And this is, you know, when you look for chocolate bitters, I, you can find traditional chocolate bitters, but come on, we want to make interesting drinks. So you, I bought a Mexican chocolate bitter. Wow. Because that's more of a mole bitter. And oh, you can use it in other tequila-based drinks, mezcal drinks. Wow. Yeah, so, um, you know, bitters are supposed to be aromatic and herbaceous kind of things that you add to uplift a drink. Yeah, and well, so, this certainly does that. Yeah, so if it was regular chocolate bitters, they would have used more cinnamon-based type stuff. Yeah. This still uses cinnamon, but it has other things like, car- you know, other, other ingredients yeah. in it, and it's interesting, so. It's delicious. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. Well... I want to make a note. 
a note. I do. I want to make a note that I love high protocol days. I know you do. I, I really do. I do too, but I know you do. No, yeah, I do. No, I really do. I love high protocol days. And I also want to make a note that goes to being responsible in relationship mm-hmm. and how it's up to each of us to not allow space to occur in our right, relationship. Right, right. And how you had an experience this morning mm-hmm. where you were like confronted by space. Yep. And what you did was instead of letting space occur, yeah, you came and like got in bed with me and cuddled, <laughs> and you said, "Okay, I've got some shit I've got to deal with. I've got bad space." Yeah, and you dealt with it. Yeah. And I'm really impressed with just how easy that was compared to how it was for you like two years ago. Yeah, and you, you know, got off it initi- like right away. Yeah, initially with anything. Yeah. You you anticipate the dealing with it is you know insurmountable I guess isn't the word but but Stressful. a huge uh, kind of thing. Yeah. But by dealing with it right when it you know space was created, right? Mm. You you don't have time to overthink it and make a lot of meaning. That's one thing. And yes. continue to build the space, yes. which is what you do when you let it sit. You yes. you sit there and recreate the space over and over which really makes it grow it's like a cancer exactly and so then so then you have a story about the space yeah and then you don't deal with the space or the story exactly and and now that sits there as part of your relationship and it increases your uh emotions or mental state on the issue whatever so then you know the idea is when you want to talk about something you you try to be as you know uh, unemotional as possible not that you can't have emotion but yeah. when you're emotional you you often aren't getting to the point you often don't you could be rash in what you say because other things right. are playing there right so it's better to talk when it's newer and you haven't built a lot of story up and i think what's helpful is sometimes just saying what you're what's bothering you what sucks is to have to admit to yourself, fuck, my fucking story's right there. It's still yeah. right there. But, but this is the human condition. Yeah. We all have emotional baggage. Oh, yeah. We yeah, all yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, when you accumulate a bunch of emotional baggage, and this is what happens when you don't deal with the space, mm-hmm. you just accumulate emotional baggage. And then when you eventually do have a conversation, you just vomit on the person. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you don't actually like exactly. interact with them around anything you just kind of go ah, and this and this and this and this and this right yeah yeah and, and, it, s- and it's too much for the other person even if they're the most sensitive individual to try to engage with you and help yeah it's just too much it's too yeah. much information yeah so the best way to not carry emotional baggage mm-hmm. is to deal with it immediately yeah so it felt really good to deal with it you know it's interesting when you get off of it you know, like I talk, okay, I'm ready to be in action and move on. So I kind of like wanted to come back and finish the dishes and stuff I was already doing. Because I was in the middle of doing something when I developed space. And I was like, I got to go now. So great. And went back and, you know, you're still kind of like, I'm off it. Am I really off it? Am I off it? You know, you're, you're <laughs> sitting there having that conversation with yourself. Yeah. And, and I'm off it, you know. I think what's the most frustrating, and it's just the nature of the beast, is... That you understand your story is still there and at how much power it has over you. Yeah. And that you can go from one context and the story can pull you into a completely different context. And then you're kind of like, you're getting off it, but you're 
especially the incident itself or whatever you're dealing with. But I feel like it, the remnants of that, like the story hangs on, like it's dug its fingernails into you. And yeah. even if you're getting off of it, it's still like kind of, Hey, I'm right here just waiting for you, you know? So, so you have to make a really conscious effort. Yes. Yeah, so this is a great opportunity to do this. So what were you pretending about? I was, was pretending I wasn't good enough. Whereas, whereas in fact, whereas in fact, I am good enough. Yeah. More than good enough. More than good enough. And yeah. now you overwhelm me with good enough. Like <laughs> <laughs> that, that goodness, good enough isn't good enough. And that and that's the struggle is to. I can conceptually say that, yeah. and I know it's truthful. So I so I'm not being out of integrity. I don't feel like I'm speaking the, you know, a lie. However, my story is so strong in the background that it makes me say, no, you're not. Yeah, see, that's that little voice in your head. That's the little voice. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. And, and you, know, you know, there's all this proof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we gather it. We just sit around gathering it. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> it's funny, though. But it is. But here's the thing. Who you are yeah. has not changed for me a bit no, from I'm... day one, right? <laughs> you are the same person. Yeah. That you've always been, and you're whole, perfect, and complete, just as you are. Right. And there's nothing wrong. And your story's right there. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's just the nature of being human. Oh, yeah. Of course. I, that's another thing. You feel so human in the moment. Like, yeah. so, because of what we've committed to and the responsibility of our dynamic, you feel so vulnerable at that time. I've yeah. created space. So what's my next step? I have to be responsible. That means I have to be vulnerable. Yes. I have to say the ugly things I'm going to say or whatever. Yes. You know, whatever the story is pulling out of me. Yeah. And I have to just say them. Yes. There's lots of things during my 30-year marriage that I never said. Like I never told anyone. Of course. Because what would that make me? It's all about looking good. Exactly. It's all about looking good. <laughs> yeah. No, no. You're, this was a perfect example of everything we teach. I know. In one, it's so... In one day. And it's a perfect example that you never lose the stories. No. They're Once always you've right created there. them, that, and you've lived a lifetime with those stories, it's not like they're just going to go away. They're, they're not going to. They're gonna, always right they'll there. They'll diminish. They'll get quieter. You'll be able to get yeah. off it faster. Yeah. Which I am experiencing. Every once in a while, you get tripped up. But you get tripped up every once in a while, and then you're just like... And see, like, if you look at our relationship, it's the same thing that always trips you up. It's because it's my story. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but it's kind of like, initially it was like a giant boulder. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you took like a sledgehammer to it. And yep. You broke it up. Yeah. Well, actually you took dynamite to it to begin with. Yeah. And you made a whole bunch of little boulders. And then each time you took over one, you took a sledgehammer to it. Yeah. And on, and on a gradient, they've just been fewer and fewer. And, and one by one, you've got to where you can take like a bull peen hammer and crush exactly. the little rocks into sand. But little by little. But every once in a while, you run across a rock that trips you up. It's just the nature of being human. It's so bizarre. Yeah. It's actually... the education helps because it gives you context how to frame how you're feeling. It's not just this this overwhelmingly crazy idea or thinking. Or Do you, do you understand what I'm yes. getting at? Yes. Where people feel like they go from zero to 60 in emotion. Right. Right? Yeah. And they don't, how did that happen? And then this is how men often say, well, women are crazy. But the idea is people aren't dealing with their stories. And so 
they don't deal with their story ever and so then their story comes up and then it, it is going to take charge because yeah. the story has to be protected because you have to be right yeah there's just a lot of it's, it's amazing there's a lot of commitment to the story like you actually yeah, get committed that's to what's it so crazy you're so committed to the fucking story yeah you're committed you know like i even someone said to me in one of my class what's your story and you say what your story is right and then they said oh interesting and what does that make you think about yourself? And I said, well, you know, I'm ugly and not worthy and I have to do more than everybody else to prove myself and whatever. And they go, oh, and do you have children? And I'm like, yes. And they go, would you ever tell your daughter that? And it stopped me because I'm like, no, you're a crazy person. Why would I ever speak to her in a demeaning way like that? Right. But yet we will do that to ourselves. We're our, we're our own worst enemies. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it gives you perspective when you meet people and people are having a day, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's strangers I'm talking. Yeah. You could meet them and pass them and they're gruff or whatever. Yeah. I, I no longer jump to, what a fucking prick, you know? Right, right. <laughs> um, I always wonder, the very first thing I wonder is, I wow, I wonder what that person's dealing with. No, and it could be story, you're right, yeah. but it could be just life circumstances. Either but one we of have us. no idea. Remember that... Um, there's an example they give us one time where people get on this bus back when, before COVID, when yeah. people rode buses. Oh, I remember those. Yeah. And this guy has two kids and the kids are kind of acting crazy. Yeah. And he sits down and seems aloof to the kids and the kids are climbing on the backs of chairs and jumping up and down and pulling the, the stop cord right. and he's not stopping anything. He's just kind of aloof. And looking at his phone, I think, yeah. and, oh, you know, this woman across the way sees him and is just, like, appalled that his children are out of control. Berating him. Yeah, she's just judging him right from yeah. afar. Kids are out of control. He's just, what a, you know, what, is he a weekend father? What's going on? You know, she's making all these judgments. And she says to him, she was about to say something like, your children or something, and he goes, oh. And he looks up and he looks dazed. And he goes, she goes, your children are acting crazy. And he goes, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Like he just noticed. And he goes, we just left the hospital where their mother died. And I guess I'm just not getting grips with it right now. And the woman immediately went and sat by well, him. That's and, a shift in context, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, immediately went and sat by him and held his hand and was like, totally with him in the moment sure because the children act you know, they just lost their mother yeah so they're being kids however they're dealing right because right. dad's trying to deal too and he lost his wife yeah and it's all context you have no idea what people are doing or going no. through you yeah, have no, no idea context, that's why communication is so vital yeah and context is important it is oh just yeah it, full circle so anyway yeah yeah <laughs> so, so well done you <laughs> so we have to stop before we talk about the chapter because we just had the cherry out of the drink and it was enough to make you stop me reading it was yeah. so <laughs> tell me what you experienced with the cherry while you were reading I should say I finished the drink and I like mined for my cherry and I got my cherry and you know the drink is like sweet and acidic and like bitter and then you get the cherry and it's just like this bomb of flavor 
and you end up with this like total umami in the drink. It's, I it's, know. It's a great drink. I, and I just drink. have mine, yeah. so it's phenomenal. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a very good drink. I'm very pleased with the drink. Yeah. All right. Chapter, so chapter 15. Fi- chapter 15. Yep. So what do we learn? We learned that she had a lesbian affair. Yeah, that she's affluent. We learned that she's affluent. We learned that she's attracted to older men. Yep. And we learned that her husband's still in the picture. I know. And that's what's weird. Yeah. I mean, so let's go to the first one. We learned lesbian. Yeah, so we surmised. Well, she claims she's not a lesbian. Because I think what she was doing what is what a lot of people do is experiment. Exactly. And, and Gordon accused her of experimenting. Mm-hmm. But what she said was, I wasn't going to get pregnant, so there's nothing wrong with it. Like, no big deal. No big deal. Yeah. So she's definitely, like, curious, mm-hmm. at least. At yeah. least curious. Possibly bisexual, but at least she curious. She was kind of turned off by the incident, though, when she described the incident with her. Yeah. She wasn't turned on by it. No, it wasn't arousing to her. She was, it was more that this was a dominant woman using her. She dug that. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's the space she's in. Yeah. No, she dug that. Okay, and then she meets this father of a friend who's kind of this super uber-wealthy, uber-influential dude. Mm-hmm. And she, like, agrees to go to the theater with him, and he's, like, feeling her up in the theater, and she's pissed about her breast not being, like, itself, but being supported by a wire A brassiere. bodice, like an underwire. Right. And she's pissed about that, and she's thinking, oh, my God, he's going to totally reject me. And then he, like... Oh, but would you come with me to this like thing? He's totally into her. He wants her to go away with her for three weeks to to the lakes. Yeah, in Geneva. Yeah, you know, interesting. And then there was this like very curious interlude where she talks about her dad, and she talks about how she burned her hand while he was holding a cigarette, and she reached for his hand. And Gordon like says, "Oh, you just created you made this up. up. You just made it up." And she's so dismissive of her. And she she kind of argues on that point, but not really. She kind of says, really? You think I dreamed it? And she starts to second-guess herself, yet she says in the forefront of that explanation that she really remembers this. She remembers the wallpaper on the wall. She remembers all of, like, details. Yeah. Yeah, I don't buy that she didn't burn her hand. But what they, what the suggestion of this chapter is is that Gordon's going to get to the bottom of her father's abuse of her. Yes. Like that's that's the suggestion. Now, there's no evidence of that. Yeah. She talks about loving her dad, and she talks about this one incident where she reached for his hand, and he was holding a cigarette in such a way that she burned her hand, and he acts like that was a totally contrived experience. Yeah, and she doesn't go into anything about the reaction of her hand being burned. She just no. says it burned. Well, she said she remembers the blister. Right, but the I mean the reaction between her and her father over no, that. No, she didn't talk she about, talk that about at all. any of that no, at all. Uh-uh. So then we move along, and she, the end of the chapter, is aware that her husband has visited her apartment in her absence. Yeah, and then there's so, this whole hubble blue, if you will. Hullabaloo. Hullabaloo. <laughs> I've got alcohol tongue. That the super is all wound up about not being able to take him to her apartment because she wasn't even there all night. Yeah, the super's covering for her in a way. 
He's like yeah. trying to like make it so that she's, you know, justifiably not present. But at the same time, he knows because of the way she's dressed that she's been out in the town. Yeah. And he's judgmental. And it, and it's like saying you're a floozy. It's not like saying you're a floozy. Well, it is. It's saying but, you're a floozy. But I'm just saying, look yeah. at the times. Yeah, I don't know. I the, agree. The time that they're in. It's, it's just so he's, foreign he's, to me. He's definitely occur, accusing her of being a little bit light on her feet. Yeah. yeah. Weird. So we got also exposed her family wealth basically and she was judging i couldn't believe that this person is so wealthy's mother cooked for her oh yeah cooked, cooked for him like yeah. where's the cook where's the housekeeper right and how how there was, how... There was another interesting like brief conversation in this chapter about a officer who presented himself as gay yeah one that she had kind of hung out dated kind of yeah i don't know if she had sex with him but the idea was they were close and then he he, at the beginning he sits down and there's this officer who is in charge of finding the arts that were stolen during the war and they call him something in monuments or something like that officer art monuments art and monuments and so he sits down at at officer dent's table and basically says hi may i sit with you and and before dent can say anything he goes i'm homosexual will that bother you and then dent works him for weeks of meals on the town right under the guise of homosexuality it's interesting you know you have to transpose yourself back into 1945 right to see how outrageous that is to present yourself as homosexual well and then i have to it was a very homophobic society i have to also think this we're we're making a lot of extrapolation on it because he was overt and said i'm homosexual we're extrapolating that dent let him on which probably could have happened but it also could be that because of the stigma and this guy is obviously authentic and comes right out and says what he is, wanted companionship at dinners and meals and would hope that it led to something and that's why it only lasted weeks because eventually it didn't lead to anything. Right. And then the chapter ends with her getting fucked by Gordon and he's smoking a cigarette in a very effeminate way. Laissez-faire way and kind of more focused on the cigarette than her. I heard it as effeminate. He has it in a little holder. He puts it in a thing. He holds it in a certain way. She doesn't like that. She doesn't like it at all. At all. Yeah. And she really wants his attention instead of his attention to be on the cigarette. And so she speaks to that. But but really, she's just getting fucked in a very mechanical, unsexual well, that, But then he uses her way. again in a, his hard, typical fashion. Yeah. After she chastises him for yeah, that. Yeah. He event he doesn't write then, but eventually puts it down, and then he goes to the. She talks about the use, if you will. Yes. And then it's over, and then she's going home the next day. Right. Yeah. So what do we know? Like, what do we know now? So we we like, know we she's know, wealthy. We know everything that we knew before, but now we can add to that that she's wealthy, that she's that really she's... attracted to older men, that her husband's in the picture. Her sexuality is curious. She's sexuality is curious. Yeah. And that she's still like I'm going to say tolerating Gordon. It's sounding like she's tolerating. Do you feel? Gordon. I don't know if this is weird because he he keeps espousing all these things like we'll deal with this later, like he's yeah. in charge. But I'm starting to feel the power shift. 
That's a good point. I, I got the sense like she's getting sick of him. Yeah, I started feeling the power shift. Like he's not as powerful as he was earlier on. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So I still don't like him. So he's got a lot of work ground to make up for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Thank you.